Salutations guys, self-confessed Nick Stan here, answering your call for positivity by singing your praises because Donut to Stans has been a massive inspiration to me. So to see the three of you continue to grow, continue to create, continue to make your voices heard brings me great joy. And I'm going to speak on behalf of a lot of people here, unsolicited I might add, and say that we love the pod. And if you don't believe me, let me check out the reviews. I don't just love the pod because of what you guys do for me, but because the three of you have made a space where you're each free and that freedom reflects in your own joy. What you are making feels fresh and it's so fresh it feels innovative. Um, your chemistry is fantastic in each episode and you're all great teachers who care for your craft in a medium and genre where everyone pretends to be experts. So, Ethan... Keep being that voice of caution, we notice you. Nick, my favourite, keep being that voice of reason. And Chopé, keep being that agent of chaos. Sending lots of peace and love from us to you. Hey guys, I want to say that I appreciate you guys for making my Tuesdays or Wednesdays typically the amazing days that they have become since you guys started. I really appreciate all of you. You guys are so great at what you do and I love the conversation and I love the music. Every time I listen to something new, I always think, how will Datspod take this? Continue doing what you guys are doing. You guys are amazing. You guys are great. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Alert the Stands. You are here today with your host Eats McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Shopper. And we just want to say a massive thank you to Apple Podcasts for putting us in their Black Lives Matter list. Um, we are eternally grateful for that and I think emotions are high at the moment for a lot of us but that was something that definitely made our week. Um, Shopper, Nick, how did you feel about that when you saw it? Um, I was genuinely shocked. I didn't expect anything but... I'm going to just say I think that this week as a whole has been a real shock in terms of what's happened. There's been opportunities that I've heard about, like for my fellow like journalists, people in media, etc. post this whole Black Lives Matter movement that's happened this week, especially as it's pertained to the UK. It's moved over here. There's conversations. It's bubbling. It's on radars of, of outlets, regardless of what industry um, people are speaking about it. So I think this just kind of came at a week where it's been very emotionally draining it's been an experience where we've kind of relived 10 years of black lives matter or like eight years however long it's existed um of black lives matter in in kind of highlights and highlight reels as people have been just pushing that but so i was kind of feeling low and just like happy it was friday getting easing myself out of that media circuit and press cycle to then see that we've made that list and you know it's bittersweet because i feel like our podcast and black british podcast should be spotlighted regardless even if it's not us just podcast period they should just be whether they're black white asian they should just be spotlighted but it was still very very um it was very very pleasing to see just because of our two years almost of work um but yeah it's more sweet than bitter and i'm eternally thankful for the exposure regardless but um yeah let's hope that this means that we're spotlighted in other ways and other black British podcasts are just spotlighted for being great podcast, period. Great music, great pop culture, whatever they are, for longer and on more hyper-visible levels as well. But I'm eternally grateful. Thank you for whoever set that up, curated that, truly appreciative. 
And it only is a testament to how good we're doing and how good we are as podcasters. And that's something I'll say proudly. Yeah. And Shopee, how do you feel? I mean, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I think my first thought was, how did they find us? Because um, I think of the three of us, I I would like to say I'm the, the realist when it comes to, you know, our place in the podcasting landscape and i understand that you know we've made a lot of headway and progress in these almost two years but you know i'm aware that we're not you know as big as you know like the receipts or three shots of tequila and other shows like that or half cast and places like that so i was kind of like who are apple like how did they find us but yeah. you know i'm glad they they you know researched us maybe listened to an episode or two and thought hey these guys should be included but i'm um, echoing um, nick's points i hope that this just isn't uh, a one-time thing to capitalize on the global conversations around blackness right now so i hope this wasn't just and i mean this and i mean i'm not even trying to be uh you know dismissive because i'm i'm very 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 grateful and very very happy i was very excited but i just hope this wasn't like a last minute diversity officer put in to like find all the black podcasts and let's do something right now just so it <laughs> appears like we're doing something you know, and like, uh, I just hope that, you know, going forward that if you are just, you know, doing a music podcast uh, section, you include us or yes. a culture music podcast section, you include us. As much as I champion, I'm very proud of the fact that we are a black podcast and I want that to kind of be said going forward. I do look forward to the day where we're just, you know, seen as a podcast and I hope that that happens one day and I just don't want this and that goes to the everyone else that was included in that in that lineup I hope they just want put in just to make it you know look like yes we, we we know what's going on in the world yes racial equality yes we posted our hashtag so yeah yeah, yeah um I think that's right whilst I am extremely happy like Nick said and also what Nick said about it being bittersweet I agree with everything Chope said. Like, I hope it isn't a situation where we are put there and nothing changes. There's no um, institutional changes within how podcasts are promoted within the UK um, because there is still a massive issue with how they are promoted and how our voices are sometimes pushed to the back. So although I am eternally grateful and very, very happy, I just want to make it clear to listeners that this show will always be unapologetically for the black community. We will always talk about things that pertain to most communities but in our roots we are black people and I want to say welcome I want to say thank you very much for tuning into this podcast and I hope you enjoy what we talk about but we have values and we care about a lot of things so Mm -hmm. um, as we go forward it's definitely going to be a very interesting ride and it has been two years well almost two years it will be two years in September that we've been recording and I I just feel very, very happy right now. That was definitely the news that I needed for the end of the week. I'm still aware there's a lot of work to be done, but that little boost kind of helped us realize there are eyes on us. Mm -hmm. There are people talking about this podcast and the conversations that we have. And yeah, I just want to take this opportunity to obviously say Black Lives Matter and um, they will always matter. So everyone that's protesting at the moment, we see you, we appreciate you. Everyone that's mm-hmm. sending all the GoFundMes yeah. and um, all of the donation um, parts and all of the kind of people that are out there protesting virtually because not everyone can go to actual physical protests. We see you as well and we want to thank you. Being an ally is so much more than just talking about it. It's the action yeah. you put behind it. And following this podcast, although... 
um, that might feel like helping someone, like we need you to follow us to make a difference. It won't make a difference institutionally if you're not doing anything else. So although we are very, very grateful to the new subscribers and the new followers that we have and the new listens, yeah. we still have a long way to go. And we are going to have the conversations about what part of that journey looks like in the music industry. And we hope you're there to listen. I also want to say in terms of algorithms, Marcus Brownlee, um, so MKBHD, a big tech YouTuber said something recently about subscribing to black platforms. If you do subscribe, this is just to anyone's platform. If you do subscribe to their platform, please engage with their content, whether sharing, liking, um, talking about it, using hashtags, because it would be a shame if you follow someone and don't interact with their content because the yeah. algorithms then move it down. It then says that it's not interesting content. Um, and I just want to make you aware of that in case um, this is an opportunity where people think just subscribing to things will make a difference. It won't. So yeah, like we say, thank you very much, Apple Podcast. We really appreciate you. We'd love to work with you. Yeah. Talk about ways that we can have fruitful conversations about black people in the music industry, things that are going on in the music industry, black tech, all of those types of things. At least that's from my point of view. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Thank you very much. So just as an introduction, we are Don't Alert the Stands. We are a music and culture podcast with a marked focus on stand culture. And it features myself, Eads McKenzie, IMN Tyrell and Shope Showerton. So thank you very much, guys. Can I just quickly say as well, shout out to the Playback podcast with my friend Ope in it as well. Um, and all of the other hosts on the show. I know it um, kind of rotates sometimes, but love you guys. Love the floor platform as well. It was so good seeing so many micro podcasts as well as macro podcasts as well get that get the spotlight on that list too so i just hope that that happens more more of the macro and micro get spotlight too because i think we all add something to the next cultural wave of black britishness and black british content for this decade so truly excited and yeah welcome to don't let the stands as eden said too yeah and sorry just lastly because i almost forgot them we would not have a platform, we would not come together and decide to have a podcast, I think, if there weren't examples to begin with. So I want to give a special shout out to Alex Reeds, the creator of Time to Talk and Mostly Lit. Those two platforms, those two podcasts definitely helped a lot of black British people. I've spoken about it before, but Alex is someone who is a massive person for change when it comes to amplifying black voices, whether it's for a journalist front, whether it's through well-being, whether it's through podcasting. And it's very important that we highlight the people who are actually doing the work. So a special shout out to Alex, a special shout out mm-hmm. to Ray, a special shout out to Derek, all of the people who came before us and are doing... Satya, can't forget really, Satya. Really oh, yeah, of course, Satya, of course. Thank you very much for everything you've done. You are amazing. You were one of the first and you were one of the people that made it huge. And yeah, we just want to say thank you to the people yeah. that came before us. So thank you very much. And we will go into the music section with that. Can I say, before we start, thank you to the guests who took a chance on us as well. Like um, the Elijahs, everyone, the Lewis Yorks. There's so many people, Kadeem Tyrells, everyone that took a chance on us. Um, Jesse. Jesse Bernard. Just all the people who took a chance. Vanessa. Podcast. Vanessa. Everyone who stepped into the booth, stepped into the studio and sat down with us. Thank you. Shante. Shante, Moses, everyone. Yep, everyone. But yeah, like we said, we're about to talk about music. So let's go into the music section. 
Right, so we're now going to the music section. So I uh, did not, as planned, spend my week listening to Chronix's album because yeah. it just, you know, I can't, I can't, I think I need to get out of this whole idea by next week I'm going to be doing this. I can't, <laughs> I still, I, th- I feel like I'm still, still trying to unlearn that, oh, three albums a week, four albums a week. I really just need to just, you know, get back to just enjoying music in a natural organic way. It's like whatever my heart feels like, whatever my spirit takes me to, that's it for the week rather than just all this, this and that for that week, this for next week, that for the Mm. week after. It's just not going to happen anymore. I feel like that's, and I feel like it's kind of something that saddens me because I feel like I can't, I'm someone who, I plan everything to a T. So I think I'm mourning the fact that I can't even plan the way I can engage with music anymore or the way I consume music anymore. I think that's something I'm having to learn to part with Especially with everything of streaming and everyone's just doing too much and everything. but anyway, so I uh, I've listened to quite a few random things this week, mainly old. Yeah, actually, no, everything here is old. Last Sunday versus battle came back again, but a holy sanctified special for the saints. <laughs> so two of my favorite, 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 favorite gospel artists clashed for two and a half hours back to back. Praise and Worship, a gospel music showdown, Fred Hammond and Kirk Franklin. I'm Team Kirk, by the way, if anyone was going to ask where I was standing. I love Fred Hammond. I love, 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 love Fred, but Kirk, that's my guy. Like, there's a lot of sentimental value with Kirk Franklin's music to me growing up in a Pentecostal um, household and just my introduction to gospel music as a whole. So me and my friend, actually Moses, Moses Boyd's little sister, I'm not gonna say her name in case she's gonna be exposed, but Moses Boyd's little sister, one of my best friends. We were on WhatsApp the entire time, just bantering and talking about how much we love these songs and our memories about everything. So we th- we thoroughly enjoyed seeing them together. I'm always a bit concerned because they had two guests. and I, Actually, no, I was also concerned because they were in the same room. Some of these states have relaxed the rules. I was like, I'm social distancing. Okay, but all right. Yeah, so so they were in the same room, which surprised me. And then they had a uh, Marvin Sapp and Samuel Man come out. I was like, oh, so we're just all in the same building. Okay, we're just <laughs> all here. All right, cool. But it was nice to have a live. It was nice to have a live element. Like Kirk Franklin was actually playing the piano for certain songs. Some of the songs that he battled with were live, rather than just you know playing the studio track, which was nice. And um, yeah, so I've naturally been listening to. Uh, no, well, the official playlist that Spotify put out of the of the battle, but also just a lot of random Kirk Franklin and Fred Hammond songs. But I want to particularly shout out uh, these songs. So from Fred Hammond, uh, "A Closer Walk." That was actually when I was first getting into Fred Hammond's music many, many, many years ago. Um, that was one of the first songs, and that's from his um, "Something About Love" album from two thousand and four, which is an amazing, amazing album. And that's probably my favorite album by Fred. So I listened to that a lot this week. I think it, if I can compare it, it's like if Music Soul Child made gospel music, that's what this album is to me. That's what I feel like. Um, Latter Day, actually no, um, like just listen Soul Star era music. But I love, I just love that album. And then also my friend recommended a song called A Song of Strength, which I'd never heard. And I've been playing that literally every day since. I absolutely love that song. And I even played it before we recorded. By the way, when I say all these things, just check out their entire catalogue. They're both amazing. They're like two giants, two titans of gospel music. So like you can't go wrong with either of them, but I'm just gonna name particular songs and then um, Revolution, which is 
that's the song that I've loved since I was a kid. I love that song. Like to me, that song just never, ever, 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 ever gets old. Like that just I worked. I listened to it when I even worked out um, earlier this week. I was like, you just can't go wrong with that song. It's just a vibe featuring Dark Child. It just has so much oomph, so much vim. I love the rock elements of it. I love how the beat is just mad. And then also on the flip side, we have a very traditional. Praise and worship songs. This is one of my favorites. And when this came on during the battle, I was like, okay, Kirk has won. Kirk has won. I'm sorry. This song, I'm sorry. Silver and Gold, I ascended. I just no. That is just that is just one of those one of those songs. It's just such a powerful song. It is such an encouraging song and so inspirational. So that's my um, little gospel flex. Outside of that, I'm gonna go to Mary J. Blige. I don't know why, actually, but for some reason, I've been listening to I Never Want to Live Without You from her My Life album, which is probably my favourite song from the album and one of my favourite songs of her ever, period. I love that song. And I have no why. There's no real reason why. Nothing inspired it. It's just, I don't know why I found myself playing it a lot this week. And My Life is a seminal, classic R&B album, one of the best R&B albums of all time. And um, I was blessed when I saw Mary at Essence last year. She did like a, she pretty much performed that entire album. So um, I screamed when this song came on particularly. And um, I love, love, love this song. And I love the the refrain. Shout out to Faith Evans. Faith Evans actually wrote this song and she's singing background on this song. And her and Mary's voices have meant very well together. Sorry, meshed very well together in that refrain, which is like two minutes of like audio heaven so shout out to Major Blige, Faith Evans, great duo on that song but it's not it's not a duet but Faith is just singing background on that song and um lastly well not lastly I've got a little bit because I know we have time because there's not as much news today so um someone an op someone who's bad vibes mentioned they had had been listening to Cranes in the Sky a lot this week <laughs> by um Ardis oh Lange. my gosh why are you like this why are you like this <laughs> this is why you so... become the snippet of the podcast because <laughs> oh, I know who this person is as well he's such a messy person <laughs> <laughs> why is he like this so again you, you know what why is he like this <laughs> why are you like this shopping why why so why? after seeing we that are music podcast too <laughs> i revisited He's not even on webcam for me to roast him. So I revisited um, Solange's A Seat at the Table. And I must say, especially with the climate that's going on in the world, it has held up very well. And I feel like I've really taken on all the stuff she was singing about, the various topics and the kind of the multiplicity of the black experience that she narrates through these various, various songs. I just kind of really found myself like, uh, it really was like a different kind of enjoyment because I love this album. It's, it's it's an amazing album. It's one of my favorite albums of the last ten years, without a doubt. But I know there was just something different, something very calming and healing and kind of restorative about listening to it around this time. So songs like "Don't You Wait," songs like "For Us," "By Us," "Weary," "Borderline," and of course "Cranes in the Sky." So I found myself, I've been playing Don't You Wait especially, which I believe, I think Dev Hines wrote that song. Let me just check that. And Solange and Dev are an incredible, incredible collaboration team. Like They work very well together. I think he wrote that song. No, he didn't. Sampha wrote that song, actually. So I'm sure they were Sampha. 
Yes, that's, that's cranes in the sky. So, sorry, someone just a seat at the table, essentially. And then lastly, I'm going to end it with the respecting legends. Well, everyone here is, um, you know, worthy of praise, obviously. So I revisited uh, this song, Be Real Black For Me, by Johnny Hathaway and Roberta Flack. Uh, if you know me, Johnny Hathaway is one of my all-time favourite male singers. He is literally the definition of smooth like bar. Like, his voice was uh, immaculate. And I'm always, always very sad to hear how he, how he, he passed away. He had a lot of mental health issues. He killed himself. In, I think it was in his early forties when he killed himself. But um, he was an oh, immaculate, no. immaculate, immaculate talent, incredible singer, writer, musician, and he's left such a wealth of great music. And he did a lot of duets with Roberta Flack back in the day. I've been listening to the Never My Love the anthology album, which has a lot of their duets. And um, there's a song there called Bureau Black for Me. And there's also a song on there called Come You Deconsolate. And um, they're just two amazing songs. But I'm going to shout out Be Real Black especially because I never really, really paid attention to the lyrics until this week. I think I'm now really like a uh, re-engaging with certain artists and certain songs and albums in a way that I didn't before. And I think I really just really understood the revolutionary acts and the power of, you know, Black love, and not to be cliche, and not to be hashtag hotep, but not to be hashtag insecure, and um, hashtag all these other things that you niggas are doing right now. But um, yeah, like when I just when I just was listening to that song, I was just like, it's really, really, just really affirming because it's like I can feel that you know us right now. Many times, racism isn't just about you know being called the n word or being you know attacked brutally it's like the little things the microaggressions not having to you know wear your hair in a certain way for an interview or i'm not gonna wear certain clothes or i'm not gonna speak in a certain way or comment on a certain topic i don't want to come across too aggressive whereas this song is kind of like you know just be yourself like and i want to shout out this particular lyric your hair soft and crinkly your body strong and stately <clears throat> you don't have to search and roam because I've got your love at home. And the refrain is, be real black for me. Be real black for me. So I just want to end it with that. And for those who have never been privy to the greatest Johnny Hathaway, what are you doing? YouTube is there. Spotify is there. He is uh, one of the greatest. And Roberta Flack too. She's also an amazing artist in her own right. So that is me. Cool. What I've been listening to this week. So I started my week listening to Kano's music. And... Kano is someone that for the longest time I have dipped in and out of his music, but as I get older and kind of go back through his catalogue, I realised I kind of relate to a lot of the messages that he's putting out there as he's kind of getting older and leaning more in, into his identity. I know I've spoken about this album quite a lot, but Hoodies All Summer is the album that kind of populated and was quite popular in my listens this entire week because I felt quite rebellious in the content I was absorbing, the conversations I was having and this whole discussion about how racism isn't something that exists in the UK. And the reason I'm listening to Hoodies All Summer is because Kano perfectly outlines how a lot of the systems work in the UK. He talks about how he understands why there's gang violence, why there's knife crime and how there's a divide between the rich and poor. And he also talks about how he wants to make change, but the change has to come from the top. It can't just be people saying that people need to just put down the knives. There's more to this. And it's an institutional problem. There is a conversation that Kano had, I think it was on Zane Lowe, I can't remember, where he was talking about how people saying that drill music should stop being 
basically made and he was saying okay you're gonna stop people from making music but what are they gonna do instead like music is an outlet for a lot of people and kind of provides a lot of hope for people that want to get out of the current financial situations and gang situations and violent situations are currently in and as a person Kano is someone that I definitely really admire he perfectly blends the black British identity and presents it in a way that is like hybridized because although he does speak in a very like he does talk about London and kind of like um, East London where he's from there is a side of him that uses like Jamaican patois in his music and kind of talks about his culture back there like with this with the feature he did with Popcorn Can't Hold We Down he talks about family on that he talks about Jamaica and like kind of the feel of it is very um, tropical and it's something that like me as a black British someone like West Indian black British person can relate to there is that hybrid identity yeah, so as like a black British West Indian person, listening to how he hybridizes his ex- identity was quite inspiring for me. And especially during right now where like loads of conversations are going on about how racism doesn't exist within Britain and how um, what's going on with police brutality is something that is particularly niche to America. And that whole conversation was addressed in this whole entire album, especially in the song SYM, Suck Your Mum, which is just laughing pretty much at the idea that black people just love writing for no reason that there's absolutely nothing wrong with the system in the UK and I think as a person Kano is someone that I really look up to as an artist because it's clear that his values are black people black British people and as I like continue to dive into this album and talk about it continuously visiting it again made me realize how necessary it is a lot of the things that he talks about and how he is such a legend in the black british scene that is very underrated but doesn't ask to be rated he's very confident in the fact that he knows who he is he knows what he brings and yeah listening to his music i feel very very inspired um so if you i don't know if you haven't but because i have mentioned it before but if you haven't heard hoodies all summer i would definitely recommend you take the time to listen to that so that's kano and um, have a conversation about it because right now this album is very important to the Black British experience and things we go through and how the pressure needs to be on the politicians and the people at the top who are kind of sitting idly and expecting the Black community to make all the change at the moment, which we can, but there needs to be a conversation about how institutional racism affects the people that are suffering at the bottom financially um, and um, institutionally, whether through the school system or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's Kano, Hoodies All Summer. I don't know if you guys have anything to say on that. I want to add on, funny you mentioned that, I actually have listened to that album amongst the many... So like I said, I actually have listened to quite a lot of things. I know I already mentioned like five different things, but I also actually was listening to Hoodies All Summer quite a bit this week. Um, one of my favourite songs on there is um, Good Dudes Walk Amongst Evil and one. Thorn of Popcorn, Gone Hold Me Down. So those two songs in particular, I've played a lot this week. And uh, I love Kano also, and I love this album. So thank you for Eden for bringing up one of my other listens that I didn't 
didn't mention. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting to say as well how Kano kind of switches between genres so easily. Like if you listen to the album before this, Made in the Manor, it's very different in terms of the production. Like if you think about songs like Garage Skank, for example, you wouldn't hear that on Hoodies All Summer. And he's definitely an artist in the UK who's quite versatile in how he makes music. Like all of his albums, although they have that grit that Kano has, are very different production-wise, topic-wise, and like you can hear his growth audibly. So I would definitely, like I said, listen to the catalogue. He is a very talented, one of the legends amongst the UK scene. And yeah, I'm not surprised because I remember hearing this a while ago that Jay-Z tried to sign Kano. I don't know how true that is, but I remember hearing that at some point. So yeah, I'm not surprised if that is true. Next, I'm going to move on to not really a project or like like an album or anything like that. But I just wanted to shout out They Have Range, I think it's called, the, the YouTube channel. Because whilst I was at my lowest moments last week, like being overwhelmed by all of the content that was out there, I went on that page and literally five minute videos took me two hours to get through because the amount of talent and the amount of questions that talent left me with mm. was out of this world. I was listening to Duran Bernard featuring Avery um, Wilson and who was the other person? Oh, Stevie Mackey. And I was just a mate. Like, I don't know if any of these listeners have heard these people before. I've heard them kind of isolated because I followed Duran Bernard for years, Avery Wilson for years. Stevie Mackey is fairly new to me. I've ha- I have heard of him before, but that whole community um, of singers Amber Riley, all of those singers, who else was there? Uh, Candice Boyd, all of them. I was just absolutely amazed by their talent and sitting there listening to them. I was just in awe at how spiritual our people are across the pond and here as well. But obviously we're highlighting across the pond right now. But listening to their music, listen to them sing was so spiritually healing for me because I was sitting there and some songs that you kind of just hear on the radio and um, just accept they've just completely torn them apart and remodeled them and added like church gospel vocals to them um, making them so beautiful so um, entertaining and it was just a really it was a really really um, rejuvenating experience and if you haven't had the time and you are kind of looking at us fighting at the moment for our lives in the streets if you want to take a break listen to us sing Listen to us enjoy the music and actually mess around with it because I definitely found some kind of peace in that and I would definitely recommend you do the same. So Avery Wilson's Can We Talk performance at They All Have The Range is amazing. Duran Bernard's singing The Way by Jill Scott and what's the other one? I'm Sorry by Beyonce. There was one more that I can't remember off the top of my head. Those songs and those um, covers, sorry, are amazing. Also, I just want to quickly talk, sorry, about Duran Bernard because over the years... Let's get into it. No, over the years, <laughs> I've I've listened to Duran Bernard for... I can't remember the first time I clicked on his videos. Um, like, I can't remember a time on YouTube where I wasn't watching Duran Bernard. Same. Um, and just for some background, Duran Bernard was a backup singer for Erica Badu. I don't know if he does it anymore. He is. Oh, he is still. He is. Oh, okay, yeah, so he was a backup... Oh, sorry, he is a backup singer for Erica Badu. But literally, I was... I've been watching his performances, but only recently watching, um, like, some of his concert performances. And I'm... It doesn't make sense. I'm watching a man on stage 
tear apart the song, control the band, control the, the crowd, and perform at the same time. So the part I was amazed by is he is literally composing the music on stage. He's telling the pianist to stop playing at certain parts, when to pick it back up again, the bass players when to come in. He's telling the backing vocals what key and literally he is controlling every single part of it whilst singing effortlessly. And that type of performer isn't something that comes so easily. He is someone who studies the craft. He is someone who is a fan of the music and embodies vocalist vocalism. So Duran Bernard gets a shout out on this episode because... His music, him as a person and what he embodies about mastery. And I'm not surprised he's a Virgo, by the way. It makes complete sense. Um, his his brand of mastery and the things that he does deserve a clap and appreciation that he doesn't get. And yeah, I just wanted to say that really quickly. I know Shop is going to have some things to say. I can hear him breathing. I do. So um, I know a lot of people out there may have actually have, have watched his videos for years, you know, back in the days of him being Alcohol Harmony and Let's Let Pray, the pray. real ones know about those usernames, the real ones know about that. I, the same, I have been watching and listening to Duran for definitely at this point, 10 years plus at this point, I, like, he's been in my life for a very long time. I've literally watched him grow. But I just want to shout out his own projects because I feel like a lot of people, whenever he's shared or he goes viral, it's always for his covers. But I want people out there to know he has plenty of his own music out available on SoundCloud and Bandcamp and Spotify and other streaming platforms. I want to shout out my two favourite projects by him. Alcohol Harmony, the mixtape. I do not know when that came out. That came out of... I don't even know. <laughs> it came out a very long time ago. I think 2009, 2008. Because like, I've, watch- I've been watching, listening for a very long time. But also my favourite, favourite project of his is Blame It On The Mango. That is an incredible album that he put out in 2015, 2016. Maybe even before that. I can't remember. But that is an amazing, amazing project. So it's all well and good to give Duran his praise. But I want us to get into his own music his own music now he's deserving to get a platform for his own music not just for his incredible earth shattering covers so i want to shout out his own artistry yeah no you're right yeah you're definitely right i didn't mention i'm going to be completely honest his actual projects are something that i still need to absorb properly um i feel like i wasn't that into like he's a very vocal performer and i feel like i need to get into his music a lot more. I do enjoy his performances because I can visually see them, but I do need to sit down and actually listen to more of his albums and shout about them more. Blame It On The Mango was something I have listened to before, but I must admit I am always attracted to his actual um, covers when I search his name. But yeah, you're right. Definitely do more research into his projects. But that's what I've been listening to this week. So Kano, Hoodies All Summer and some of his discography and um, they all have the range, the YouTube channel and instagram page so yeah that's me cool 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 um and last but not least um myself um it's been a really hard week for me in terms of listening to music i'm not gonna lie my um my attention has been elsewhere like i've just been having loads of conversations um just spreading information where i can donating etc etc but two projects that have been I guess my sanctity this week, which are, which is really unexpected when I get into it. 
The first one is Gunna. Um, his album is called Wanna. Um, and it was released two weeks ago, I believe. Um, this is completely trap, um, kind of like your young thugs, your little Uzis. He fits well in right there, your little babies, etc. And to be honest, I didn't really expect to even be listening to this album. He had a really exciting um, social media rollout during this lockdown period. He went on Twitch. He did like a poster which was kind of hinting at superhero kind of things, super figurines. He, he kind of made himself a superhero and put it, I think, as the Spotify banner, like on, on his promotional channels. And then he did a, a plethora of other stuff on different social media platforms. So he really basically engaged with the different channels and promoted it quite well. So I thought, you know what, Gunna, haven't really gotten into him. I've listened to old stuff, but never really appreciated it. Let me listen to it. So I played it one day, two weeks ago. It was really hot weather. I was going just for a walk and then I played it. And I was surprised, I was just surprised at how cohesive it was. It's like really all the songs kind of blend into each other quite well. Trap does kind of sometimes sound samey, but I think the way in which Gunner does it, like there's, there's enough momentum, there's enough energy, there's enough different producers on the the album as a whole for you to kind of get a sense of, okay, like he there's there's actually a plethora of talent working on this. Um, and you can actually hear what he's saying, which is great. It's actually great. We're in a place in Trap where a lot of people are starting to be vocal on the records and you can kind of hear hear them on what they're saying as well. So yeah, there's a lot of introspective thoughts on this. There's a lot of simple lyrics as well, like in terms of if you just want to escape. And that was what I was looking to do with music this week. I wasn't looking to face in to like societal issues because hip hop, rap, R&B, particularly talk about our political struggle all the time. And if you listen to this podcast, if you're a fan of this podcast, pretty much we, one of us, delves into the societal impacts and cultural impacts of what, what we're listening to is saying each week. So I wanted escapism and it was just really cool to listen to, really nice to listen to. There's a production on there, I think, on MOTW, um, which is the third song. I think it's that song or another one that sounds a lot like J. Cole's Middle Child and a song also by Young Thug as well. I'm trying to find what it's called. I'm just, my head's all over the place this week, basically. But it was on his debut album. I'm, I'm going to get the name of the song. But um, it just sounded very similar to them. And I just think there's a lot. I wanted to even do a deep dive into Trap right now, because I think since J. Cole's Middle Child, and ironically, J. Cole did executive produce Young Thug's debut album, um, So Much Fun. But um yeah, just a lot of songs that sounded like that middle child production. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of songs in the trap arena that are sounding like that. The song from um, Young Thug was called Hot and ironically features Gunner. Now I'm really intrigued. I think Wheezy produced that song as well, which I'm going to I'm gonna get into because I feel like if they work, if Gunner's on Hot that is, and it sounds similar, I think there's a connection there. But yeah, anyway, besides me, the album is completely great if you want to get away, if you want to just listen to other stuff, Young Thug's on it, Nietzsche's on it, Little Baby's on it. Um, and yeah, it's 18 songs long, <laughs> Travis Scott's on there too, but it doesn't feel like that. Like by the time you get to the end of it, you're just like, whoa, that's amazing. You look up and you're just like, okay, cool. Sonically, it just makes you feel good. Um, beyond the lyrics and stuff, just sonically, it's a great, trap project to be honest one of the greatest ones i've heard this year to be to be fair but yeah gonna i'll definitely pay a little bit more attention to you in the future yeah
And he says that it stands for wealthy, unapologetic, nigger, naturally authentic. So I guess that's as political as we're going to get this week with me. And then the other project I listened to was... Um, it's this artist that's signed to the same label as Emotional Oranges. And I don't know if I've actually specified this artist before on the podcast. Um, if I have, forgive me, because he only has one project out to date. But the label he signed to is Avant Garden slash um, Island Records. And his name is Child with three I's. So C-H-I-I-I-L-D. And the project that he releases, uh, a debut EP, it was released earlier this year and it's called Synthetic Soul. Now, I've been listening to this for since it came out because um, I saw Child perform or open up for Emotional Oranges one time. And ever since I've kind of been like, ooh, this is a really dark and mysterious form of old R&B. It kind of sounds like early the weekend in, in some ways as well. So yeah, I, I'm just loving what he's doing. The, the grungy production, the darker soundscapes, um, just the deep lyricism as well. I think he he obviously focuses on relationships and stuff, but I just think there's like a... He takes really simple concepts and just is able to really unpack them lyrically. Like, for example, Hands Off Me, which stands as the third track on this project, is just like, it's really ghouling, it's really haunting, it's really just how he sings and how he portrays it. And it's it's all about just don't take your hands off me. It's all about sensuality. It's all about in the bedroom. It's all about that touch and feel, that tongue-in-cheek kind of action. But the way he just sings about it is really ghouling. Like Jordan Peele could take that easily and just put it on a soundtrack to one of his new films, um, as it is actually. It doesn't even need more distorting than, than it already is. I just, I just love him. I think he's really unique. And I think in this realm of R&B, where there's a lot of trap soul, where there's a lot of, it's just become a bit samey in some pockets on a mainstream level. I just, I just like that era of the early 10s where you had your Tanache's, Janaiikas, The Weeknd, Frank Ocean, Miguel, all of that, that enclave just kind of building this new wave of all R&B. And I think Child is definitely a child of that era. Um, and he probably looked up to these these um, these um talents um, as being pioneers. So yeah, I'm super, that took me away in other, in, uh, just because of the production, how intricate it is, how layered it is. And then obviously Gunners Mwana was really just distracting just because it was just like a nice, similar to when I listened to Lil Uzi vs. The World when I first heard that, like Lil Uzi is just, oh, I love his productions. Like they're so, they remind me of um, Soul Calibur, like the game Soul Calibur on PS, PS2 when I first played that. Um, just re- yeah just really i used to love that game yeah just really cool like little you'd hear you would hear Lucy little uzi vert on that or, and just just the kind of um little sounds that he'd make in his songs as well you could definitely tell he's an anime kid he's he's one of those so yeah anyway oh yeah 100 percent. yeah he's an anime kid most of these trap guys are anime heads like they love that shit and then i love how they bring some of the the sounds and all of that kind of stuff to the songs the, the onomatopoeias and stuff but yeah cool Let's get into some news. And yeah, it's, it's kind of light this week. Kind of stupid this week as well on, on some fronts. Which one should I tackle first? The articles are up. Which one should I do? Yeah, this came earlier in the week, so we'll do this. Okay, so Black Lives Matter focused. Um, this is an offshoot of that. This was um, some responses to George Floyd's death. And this hit the way on Tuesday. Now, what happened is the music industry called for a blackout Tuesday. There were two kind of different things that were happening. Um, The show must be paused movement and then blackout Tuesday, which then kind of got 
combined together into this whole blackout moment, which I don't think was the sole intentions of the show must be paused, which I will get into in a second. So yeah, the uh, the music industry and wider industries jumped on this and piggybacked as we saw on platforms such as Instagram. Um, mainly, there was a whole kind of blackout to to kind of show signs of support for the protests that were going on both in the States and in the UK over police brutality um, as it pertains to like to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, to just a whole load of people across the world. Um, yeah, so this is the music industry's response. I want to shout out who started it. It was shared um, by two black women. I'm going to make that really clear. Um, so Jamila Thomas of Atlantic Records and um, Brianna Agumang, um, I don't I hope I'm not pronouncing that wrong, but probably am, of Platoon, which is a um a label which helps art um an offshoot, sorry, which helps artists, which is now under Apple Music since they bought it. Um so yeah, basically they said they explained in their words, this is an initiative in response to the murders of George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, Ahmad. Aubrey and the countless of other black citizens at the hands of the police. Tuesday, June 2nd is meant to intentionally disrupt this work week. It's a day to take a beat for an honest, reflective and productive conversation about what actions need to collectively take place to support the black community. The music industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, an industry that um, has profited predominantly from black art. Our mission is to hold the industry at large, including major corporations and their partners who benefit from these efforts, struggles and successes of black people accountable. Um, the show must be paused is not just a 24 hour initiative. We are and will be in this fight for the long haul. So as they did start this movement, I think it was the Friday before this Tuesday. So last not this Friday, just gone, but the Friday before that was when they came together and really decided this. And then other labels such as RCA, Epic, which are both under the Sony umbrella, Def Jam, Capital Republic, um, Atlantic Records, um, encouraged the participation of the movement and took part as well. Then we had the likes of Apple Music honing in on this um, and taking part too. Loads of artists such as Mick Jagger, showed their support on Monday um, afternoon evening time saying tomorrow I will stand with my fellow artists and observe the blackout Tuesday to combat racial discrimination and social injustice. Um, Quincy Jones also jumped in and said that he would support and a load of other artists um, jumped on the bandwagon. Mark Anthony, loads of black artists, loads of white artists. The Grammys and the Recording Academy um, showed their support too. What I do want to highlight as well is that what I hinted at in the beginning of this um, this news junket is that Blackout Tuesday did in some ways face some obstacles. Now on Instagram, we had people conflating the show must be paused and Blackout Tuesday for Black Lives Matter in terms of the hashtags being used. This then, in combination with using a black square on Instagram, led to a blackout of the Black Lives Matter actual hashtag on the app. And what this means is that basically when people clicked on the hashtag to get information, to see visuals of, of the likes of, you know, George Floyd, how to help, Breonna Taylor, all of that, um, they were met with black squares and, and not just black squares for one scroll, black squares for a, a number of scrolls. 
and this this led to um, backlash on social media. Instagram even tweeted out about it, calling for an arms of taking the hashtag out of posts. People like myself, Eden, um, etc. spotlighted this as well and called for the hashtag to kind of be removed as well. But yes, this is Blackout Tuesday, what happened. It did happen. Loads of sectors within music um, adhered to it. Beyond music, loads of people adhered to it as well. It made headlines. It caused a moment of sorts, at least a focus on what it was. Um, slight controversies, as I just highlighted here and there. But um, overall, it happened. I just wanted to get your thoughts, both Chope and Eden, and then I will share my thoughts on what Blackout Tuesday was and the wider significance of what it meant. So the show must be paused and Blackout Tuesday. I think a lot of people were quite confused about what it was and how they were two different things. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I was very vocal about was how the Black Squares didn't do anything. And I'm only speaking anecdotally from what I saw. I saw people who I have known throughout the years post something on Twitter, post a black square on Twitter to symbolise their allyship for a movement that they contribute to. And I was very, I am very, very confused about what that is doing for black people, what that is doing Mm -hmm. for the protest and the conversation, because it's centering the people that it doesn't need to center right now. A lot of celebrities are talking about how for the longest time they have felt this way about what's going on in the industry and how this has kind of awoken like the black squares and everything and what's going on with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade are things that have awoken them to a Mm -hmm. system that is ever present. And I just have to question how you didn't know. I just have to completely ask the question of why it took everyone else to post a black square for you to then jump on Instagram and do exactly the same thing. Are you actually genuine in your movement or are you just posting something so you aren't left out and people don't challenge you with it? The only people I really saw the black squares benefit were the people who wanted to be silent. And unfortunately, what happened was people were posting these black squares and adding the hashtag Black Lives Matter, not realizing how algorithms and hashtags work. And it was completely clogging up the Black Lives Matter hashtag. The work that black activists had put in for hours and days was completely erased and moved to the bottom of what people weren't actually going to scroll down and see. So for me, when I saw this, I was very frustrated. I said it on day one, I got a lot of black backlash from people. And then it turned out that actually it was completely erasing the movement, like I said it was. And also there was this whole thing about if you remove the hashtag, even then you'd still need to delete the post because Instagram would still keep it in that section anyway and re-upload it. And I doubt. The funny thing is, though, Instagram did say in their tweet that it would take 10 minutes for the algorithm to remove it. Like you could still like not keep Black Lives Matter in, but if you remove the hashtag it was fine. Like you just had to wait 10 minutes. So do it as quickly as possible. It was kind of saying like, just quickly do it now. So it gets removed kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it still was there for a period of time. You're right. It was still blocking the algorithm yeah. for however long it was. Yeah. And I think we also kind of misunderstand how information is passed on social media quite a lot. Yeah. I think we assume that a lot of people actually engage with Twitter and multiple um, social medias so they'll be able to understand how damaging adding that hashtag was. But 
I was still seeing people post black squares with Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matter attached attached to it, and mm-hmm. um, it was very damaging. It was very very damaging. Um, I understand that there isn't like a guidebook on how to be an ally and how to actually help the movement from home. Um, and I, I am not in any way whatsoever critiquing people that are genuine and have actually done the work, donated to GoFundMe accounts, spoken up in um, corporate conversations and challenged the system at the moment. I am speaking directly to the people who have only post- posted black squares, who only ever seem to ask questions and do nothing else productive whatsoever, and <laughs> who only actually seem to be in the comments. Like, what? I don't understand. This isn't. I don't. This isn't a party. This isn't. This isn't a live stream. Why are you just in the comments? Why aren't you talking about situations with your manager at work? Why aren't you looking around your workplace and seeing you are the only. You are. You are another white face in a massive global situation. Why is it only now we are having conversations that your black colleagues, or if you don't have any, actually, how have you not realized you don't have anyone diverse in your lives? How has that not been a realization? How it's frustrating because that whole conversation about tall, dark, and handsome highlights just how what white people think diversity is. And it's very, very funny because now everyone seems to be coming to a realization that I'm going to say um, diverse people because everyone's contributed to this conversation. But diverse people have been happy, have been having for years. Since, like, literally, for us, we grow up living this way. We grow up having to learn things. And obviously, we get, sometimes we get it wrong along the way, but we grow up having to do the work, having to do the reading, having to um, actually understand what is being said. And now everyone wants us to kind of provide a reading list to our entire lives in, in minutes. And th- this Black Square situation just has me a bit confused because... Have you actually stopped to think, how does this contribute? What does this do? How does it help? But I mean, when I said it, loads of people jumped in my DMs and were talking about how uh, people don't know what to do. People are just following instructions. Guys, if something is suggested to you, and I'm talking to black people as well, if something is suggested for you to do by a mass amount of people, you are still allowed to question it. Mm -hmm. You are still allowed to sit there and ask, how is this helping? You don't have to follow it because everyone else is doing it. I understand right now it's very confusing and we need to kind of understand how we can help virtually, but you don't have to sit at your computer and look at what people are doing and just copy it for what it is because we've seen how some people manipulate hashtags. We see how people sometimes do things that are at the detriment of the black community virtually. So I think we just need to be very careful with our own individual judgment and how we affect the community. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy that the show must be paused is a hashtag that two black women founded because in the music industry, black women are the people that suffer the most at the hands of the music industry. They are overlooked, they are ignored. They aren't appraised for their talent and what they actually do. And that stretches mm-hmm. onto the actual performers as well. But people behind the scenes as well are very much ignored. I remember reading an article, I think over a year ago, of a black woman talking about her, her experience working in the music industry. And I was appalled. I was surprised because obviously I always say I want nothing to do with the music industry. I don't want to get involved with it. I think it's a very evil industry. But I am aware of how important it is to our community because music is something that is embedded in our cultures but I've always 
I've I've that realization of how black women are kind of affected is disgusting is awful yeah so I'm very happy that that was happening it's a shame that it was kind of conflated with what was going on with Blackout Tuesday but I don't believe that wasn't intentional I have a lot of questions about the origin of Blackout Tuesday where those black squares came from and who organized it I have a lot of questions but um that's all I have to say really didn't Nick just explain that did you say who it came from the Blackout Tuesday Nick no it got it got conflated no the show must be paused yeah. is different yeah. to Blackout Tuesday. Yeah, so... But they got the two got conflated, basically. Yeah, so the show must be paused as two black women, I believe you said. Yeah. And Blackout Tuesday, I still don't know. Maybe it's just I haven't done the research, but I still don't know who started that hashtag. I was literally reading an article whilst Nick was talking and I couldn't spot them either, so... Someone said... I think Han actually spotlighted it on Tuesday and said that it was actually to spread information because blackout blackouts aren't a new thing, like in terms of the internet, like on Tumblr, like it was Tumblr culture in terms of black spaces to spread black positivity, spread black information, black owned businesses, all of this kind of stuff. So the blackout concept online is origin wise, was an original thing to kind of say, we are disturbing your timeline and making it blackity black, not black squares, blackity black in terms of information, hair companies, this to support, that to support. So that, if that was the original intent of Blackout Tuesday, then it got co-opted again. Yeah. But I'm completely supporting that because that would have benefited having the conversations um, with the show must be paused about how do we benefit the black community and stuff they could have come together and it could have been a beautiful moment you know so if ha- what Han spon- spotlighted on Tuesday is facts which I she's always a fact checker so I, I I think I trust her and she has like a Tumblr background too Um, I would say that you know that's a great it would have been a great week it would have been a great Tuesday do you know what I mean but um, I think again the black square thing, which I do not believe was anyway near the show must be paused because their intention in that article, which and the intention specified on the last Friday, which was way before the Tuesday, um, specified it was a productive day to discuss the actions or as it pertains to black people and industry kind of struggles. So I believe that good best intentions, but with the Internet, things get co-opted so quickly that... Um, it's just a shame, you know, it's a shame that it rained on two black women, two industry professionals, you know, two revered talents who people like Whitney, who's the one of the founders of ENDS Festival, you know, co-signed, you know, it's just, it's a shame. It is, it's a true shame. And black squares aren't going to benefit anyone. I'm so sorry. It's not really going to be, like Eden said, it's not benefiting anyone. So... Whoever tried to do, well, whoever succeeded partially in co-opting these two movements, you know, well done for, well done for sitting down with your privilege, you know, with your privilege and not benefiting black people because you admitted information and you disturbed two origin movements, which are about information spreading and productivity. But um, Shope, I want to obviously get your thoughts on this as well. Okay, so I would like to start off by saying this and I want this to be uh, made very clear and I want this to be made clear to any white person in the music industry and white person in the music industry that has clout and is in a very senior position or is a managing director or is a CEO or CFO I don't want a blackout Tuesday I want a blackout life let's start with that I'll say it again I want a blackout life 
And I I said this on Instagram. I made a post. So I did a post of Black Square, but I posted yeah. a Black Square of words. Because words mean things, and language is powerful. <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat what I said, but it's on my Instagram if you can see it. Nick and Eden both saw it. His Instagram shop is in, I believe. Yes. So I understand that everyone has to you know, feel like they're doing something. And I, I do appreciate that, you know, an industry that has historically railroaded and, how can I phrase this, railroaded, conned people out of money, black artists with terrible contracts, discredited, uh, used resources to kind of, you know, ruin careers and halt careers. I was glad to see that, you know, they're speaking up, you know, like the big three even spoke up, Universal, mm-hmm. Warner and Sony. I appreciate that. But I don't want you to just, you know, post your black square and make a statement onto our Instagram and think that's what needs to be done. So like... And I'm going to quote uh, two people. So Khalees said, if the music industry was to support black lives, labels and platforms can start with amending contracts, distributing royalties, diversifying boardrooms, and retroactively paying back all the black artists and their families they have built their empires on. And I'm now going to also go to Ryan Jamal Swain, is a, a cast member on Pose. And this is my favorite. If the music industry really wanted to meet this moment via the show must be paused, they would release every single black artist from 360 deals and give them 100% ownership of their masters. Any black artist that wants to have a bad deal should be released from these do- from these deals tomorrow. These labors have niggers in creative prisons. When you look back at the three major labels, there's not one black CEO. When you look at the major streaming services, there's not one black CEO. Hip-hop makes up the vast majority of their streams and is the lifeblood the lifeblood of their labels. If your company does not do the internal work to actually elevate, support, promote, empower black people within these structures fully controls, how in the hell can they support, advocate for people outside of it? Just my two cents. And I was like, come on, come on. So shout out to my people to who I love anyway, Ranj Maswain and my girl Khalees. And that's exactly it. And I want to, uh, I don't even know if I should say this. You know, I'll just, I'll, so I had a personal experience with uh, the music industry and Blackout Tuesday. And I just want to say that not everyone participated. And you know, some people may have been posting their allegiance, their solidarity on social media. Meanwhile, internally, other things were going down. I'll just leave it at that. Because, you know. Big yikes. Yes, big yikes. I don't really know what else to say. I think Nick and Eden have kind of said it like i appreciate it i I appreciated the gesture but i want more Mm -hmm. this is not going to just be i want this to continue when the george floyd case is not in the news when belly is not in the news anymore when brennan is not in the news anymore i want this to continue on a random friday in the office on a random thursday so on august 17th 2023 i want this to be discussed i don't want this to just be all because that's what happened that's why i thought has been the issue in many cases in the past it's always been about a zeitgeist it's like these things are happening now these things are happening now like so vogue is commissioning articles now which by the way shout out to yomi anago okay she wrote an amazing piece about how black people are feeling right now during this time an amazing piece an amazing so shout out to her and about performative activism, it was a really good piece. Like, I really, lo- shout out to you, like, I loved it. 
I loved it. Shout out to her. A lot of publications, a lot of labels, a lot of people just doing things just for the sake of appearing like well-intentioned people, well-intentioned companies. Like, but are you really, in the words of our, you know, our Queen Rana, are you really pulling up? Are you really shaking the table? No, you're probably not. And that's what I want to see. And I understand, and I want this to be a thing. I'm not saying you should just, you know, have black people in CEO positions just because they're black. Of course, let them have the, you know, the qualities and the skills and the receipts to do it. But we need to be more considerate of that because I'm sure there are many people you've interviewed who probably were good for the job but you didn't, you didn't because oh, they can't banter with us they can't go to the pub with us because that's also very true the so stupid, so stupidity of pop culture and having a laugh and banter and a drink at a pub that will affect black people getting jobs in these industries even though that's doing the work yep. that is doing the work even though it should really just be about yep. are you good at your Facts. job and Shope the culture needs to change as well because it not only omits black people and do you know what it's absolutely fine I'm not an advocate for POC and BAME, but I have other friends of diverse backgrounds who suffered like black people do. Not on the same level, but they have their own struggles. And one thing about this British pub culture thing is it not only erases us, but it erases Muslims, okay? It erases so many people who can't advance to the next level. And Eden's even spoke about this too, one of his yeah. colleagues as well. People who don't drink, period. Like, it's not synonymous with work. Like, pubs and drinking should not be synonymous with work like i don't i'm not an alcoholic i know you're a coping one but that's cool listen leave me alone i want to go home or i want to do something different let's go mini golf let's go bowling let's go do some other shit that actually is more accustomed to more people i don't care about your coping alcoholism because of british culture quote unquote but it should not be synonymous and it erases people more than it actually includes people because people are forced to drink or forced to pretend to drink to have to cope with you guys and also and also this pressure that we just this pressure that we all have to be like best friends like i'm here to work and do my job and go home like we don't need to be yep, yep. telling you about my personal life i don't hear about what you did over the weekend or you did that. i don't care i'm here to do my job be good at my job make changes in the arts that i work with and that's fine but that's also another thing too that with the fact that we all have to be huggy buggy and best friends no we no we don't like <laughs> are you good at your job do you have the skills can you do we can you do this can you do this task can you delegate Let's ask the right questions. I mean, you have to be able to work as a team. Obviously, there's that acquaintance, acquaint work acquaintances, but you don't have to be besties. Like, I get you. I completely get you. Yes, of course. No, of course. Mutual respect and, you know, camaraderie. Like, yes, 100%. But you um nick will know like there's the pressure to be like no we have to be friends oh 100 and, oh yeah. we're doing this weekend like no i have a life i have my own friends it's fine annie it's okay <laughs> oh lord Can you know it's it's okay so like um oh my gosh i i think i really want to see it because i think many times <laughs> we talk about structural institutional changes but we don't really apply them to media and creative industries and i really think it's time for us to pedal and step on the next of these creative industries the music industries the media industries because as many people have said majority of people who are leading in these 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 places are black people yeah. <laughs> like you know we drive popular culture it's not just a statement we actually drive popular culture like everything people jumps on yep. you know i don't even want to speak about these idiots but the kardashians braids all of that 
plaque fishing. We control popular culture. Everyone want to look like us. Everyone want to sound like us. So respect us. Yes, that's it. Even like the even like the use of terms like shade, which now is just used all over them, snatching wigs, which comes from black ball culture. But let them tell you, we little, little mix <laughs> that created those terms. So like I don't really know what to say. I think like I said, Eden and Nick, um, they kind of hit the nail on the head. But I just want. From now on, going forward, I want people to start looking at their companies and being like, you know what? Why don't we even have a black junior? Why don't we even have a black intern or a black assistant? Or why is there a board of directors and everyone here mm. is a white man? Why is that? Ask these questions. Yep. But I think one thing we do need to do, just just on a separate point, is because I wanted to do this at the beginning, but we do have to shout out the K-pop stands at the moment. We do have to give them a slight sh- um, shout out because they are adding that extra pressure oh Eden we can shout them out but we're going to get to that conversation about k-pop and your appropriation of r&b and hip-hop so one day we will get to that conversation (laughs) one day soon we have bigger fish to fry right now but an article needs to be written I need to speak about it Han needs to come back and speak about it because there is an issue and you guys yeah you can do all the petitions but your artists need to stop appropriating ASAP that's it and also, That's I want to say, so to the, the white CEOs and the white founders of companies who have a lot of black clients on their label or their agency or their PR firm, I want you to consider how they might be feeling. And I want that to trickle down into maybe how you act and how you treat black people and how you think black people um, uh, operate in this world. Because I, I'm really sick of this narrative that this doesn't happen in the UK. It's only American. I can tell you about Windrush and Grenfell. Like, and it's not just all about murders. It affects us in the worlds, in the realms of mental health, housing, economics. Like, there's so many other ways. Like, this was on the grapevine. Racism is a tree with many branches. And I don't want the UK to think that we have no branches. We have plenty. We have plenty of branches in this country. We have plenty. 100%. Um, I didn't really say I didn't really say anything, but yeah, there you go. No, I think you did. You you brought up loads of points. The work culture point. It's like that you gave tangible examples of how institutional racism works in music, media, even this this in law circles. They have to do the same thing: go for drinks, all that kind of stuff. So I think you're right, and I just want to say that I think if anyone's looking for examples for UK examples as well, like. Shoppe just pointed out, like, we did a Grapevine UK series, like, please, like, there's 10 episodes that will tell you that it happens here and exactly how it happens in school on a generational level. Yes, rush, yes, knives, yes. The police, like, the Met Force is toxic as hell. Like, there's so many different tangible ways. And I would just, I also want to say that there's two examples of some allies and it shouldn't be about giving cookies to allies but i just need white people if you're listening or asians whatever to look at these people and just follow what they're doing like if you can or encourage people to do what they're doing one i want to shout out i've spoken about her before she's in the music business she works at apple music in new york carly hustle is a exceptional example of what a white a white ally looks like always putting black women first, always putting black causes first. She had literally, she had a sickness. She almost died. She just recovered from that. And she's still out protesting with a young daughter who she left at home, obviously with the father and stuff. She protested still with her immune system being vulnerable with COVID-19. Like this woman does the works. Like um, an example last week, um, 
Joey Badass, his album got removed from Apple Music and he thought it was censorship. She jumped on that because I, I quote tweeted it or whatever. She jumped on that. She commented. She figured out the issue. It was a tech issue because um, he switched labels um, and the other label were just transitioning that and he didn't know. And she investigated that and fixed it and spotlighted it again. Like she is just the example of not wanting accolades, doing the work, using her resources and donations for the good of black people. And this is not a new thing. She's done this for years, like literally years, like put black women in the positions they need to be in. Phenomenal example. And then I read this morning that the fa- one of the um, co-founders from Reddit quit the board and demands for a black replacement to be in his place because there are no black board members as well. Now, obviously, not everyone's a board member, like you can't all do this, but it's just about encouraging black hires, encouraging diverse hires, like really getting to the tangible bits on how you can benefit and not just hires on an entry level. As Shope said, we want to see juniors, we want to see seniors, we want to see execs, we want to see, we want to see the change on every single level because we need black representation in every single level for cultural change to happen in said workplaces. So I want, I do want to spotlight Carly Hustle and the co-founder, which is Alexis O'Hanian, um, who just resigned and, and asked for a black person to be. Um, Isn't that Serena's husband? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, literally. Yeah. So I want to make one last point. I also, when it comes to, um, you know, if these companies do decide to fix up, I want you, because I've I've seen and I've had personal experiences with this, well, secondary experience, because it's happened to me, but I've seen it happen to other people. I want people to exercise patience when it comes to the black employees they do hire, because I feel like whenever uh, black interns or black assistants are hired, they have to be perfect from the beginning. They're not given the chance to mess up or slip up or make mistakes or be stupid. It's like... You have to be perfect. Whereas if it was a white person who didn't do certain things or messed up, it's like, oh, okay, but, oh, but you know, they're gang or um, he's a lad. Like, okay, give him a three-month extension. But if you're a black girl or a black, little, a black boy, you have to be on it. You have to be perfect. You have to be a shining example of a good employee. And I want that to extend it to, extend it to, to, uh, to white people. Give the same energy because I've, I've seen it personally that, people weren't really given the chance to grow and make mistakes. They just had to 100%. be. They probably had a that. very uh, treach- treacherous line manager, um, won't say any names or any companies, <laughs> who were just treating their line managers with such disgust. But I know if they had a white person, it would not be given the same energy. You'd be like, oh, okay, this is how you do this, Jeremy. Okay, Carolyn, this is how we do things, you know? All right. I wish you would call them out. Um. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in the words of my, in the words of my my sis Mariah, I have to stay above the fray sometimes. <laughs> Where'd you get these quotes? From? Like, mate, he's like a walking quote book, literally. Like, no, but specifically for Mariah Carey, it's always in the words of Mariah Carey. Like, I'm sorry, but anyone who's watched the Mariah Carey interview is missing out on comedy gold. Oh, like, Mariah he's is Mariah be talking. He's not lying. <laughs> he is not lying. Let me tell you that. Mariah is a gem. Like, watching a Mariah Carey interview is just... It's gold. She's just a gem. Oh, gosh. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, stay above the fray, darling. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Should I move on? Yeah, let's go. Yes. Oh, God. I don't even want to get into this story. Like, ugh. This woman. And I praise her all the time. Annoying. Anyway. Trina, Trina, Trina. Trina, 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 Trina. You were doing so well. 
Anyway. Um, well, not really, and I'll get into that. She, she, has, she has a history of being stupid. You know, like, <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> listen. She was doing so well by just shutting up this week. That's what I meant. Anyway, <laughs> she has a radio show in Miami. Um, it's called The T. It's called... All right, all right. Can I get to the junket before you start? Because I know you're going to start. Anyway, right. Trina who is a woman in rap, okay? She co-hosts a radio show called TNT Morning Show with Trick Daddy, which is also a renowned talent from Miami, okay? So during these protests that are going on, um, the theme of the week is protests, to be honest, even the last news junket. But um, she, they were announcing plans that Miami mayor... Carlos Jimenez um, had put in place for extending a citywide curfews. So curfews have been in place in Miami, Atlanta and loads of other cities across the south and northern parts of America. I believe New York has one as well or was toying with one as well. Um, and obviously LA, we've heard about that. We've, if you've seen it, Kiki Palmer speaking about it, etc. So this is to kind of try to stop the riots that are happening because amongst protests is also uprising riots whatever you want to call it i personally refer to it as uprisings but yes um these were happening across the week and last week yeah trina had some she had some words to say because some of the riots have caused or uprising sorry had caused the loss of her friend's business um, which was a shop there because shops have been getting looted etc etc so during the show Trina said a lot of things for about two minutes, but I'm going to read out a particular quote because it just summarises it really well. Keep every... I wish I could do a Trina accent because, boy, it was wild. But anyway, keep everybody off the streets. These animals off the streets that are running around Miami-Dade County acting like they escaped from a zoo. Um, lock them up at 5pm so the streets can be nice and clean. That is how I feel. During the rest of her rant... Um, she continued to double down on this sentiment. She didn't back down because Trick tried. You know when you try and rescue someone on radio or on live stuff? The fact that Trick Daddy was the voice of reason. <laughs> I know, because he's been in trouble. But um, he tried to rein Trina in, real name Katrina Taylor. But she said the looting was personal for her. As I said, the, her friend's store was ransacked amidst the chaos. Okay, so she said we can't bring back nobody's lives whether it's at the hands of the police or another civilian okay so social media went wild okay social media just went crazy did sis just say animals please get these celebrities out of here trina is cancelled the second part of the video is the worst Go, 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 who's next? Which, if you don't know, is the TikTok. Me on my way to sign petitions to get Trina fired from the radio station. There was petition to get Trina fired, which had 5,000 signatures as of Wednesday morning. The goal was 5,000 signatures. Yeah, they others said that they would sign a petition sorry, to get Trina uh, to no longer kind of support Trina's music. Um... <laughs> And there is just, yeah, there's a lot of cancellations on the board in terms of people cancelling her. One including Masika Kalisha, which is a reality TV show star. Um, she took to social media and they went back and forth 
on Thursday. A lot of aggressive comments <laughs> back and forth. I'm not going to get into it because it was just... It was a lot. Um, Trina was told to go take a nap like the old woman that she is and loads of other stuff like that. But we're going to we're going to skip across that to Trina apologising um, for comments um, about the protesters after receiving backlash. So Trina said that she had spoken to local authorities, local bodies, just people with the information to educate her. And she kind of was in her own echo chamber, her own bubble. And in an emotional kind of situation because of her friend. So she said, I just want to apologise sincerely to everybody I offended by what I said. I spoke passionately about how I felt about people destroying our specific community here in Miami. Um, she takes full responsibility for her comments. I'm not going to say black people are animals, but I didn't say, hey, all of my people, I'm not talking to you. And... Yeah, that's basically it, guys. Trina and her comments calling people animals. What are your thoughts on... Yeah, Trina. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this this, this heavy news junket? Because if you heard the audio, let me tell you, it was, it, was, it was a lot. But, yeah. A hot bowl of ignorance. A hot bowl of stupidity. A hot <laughs> bowl of foolishness. A hot bowl of full of fucking niggatry. So, before... Wait, did that rhyme? I wasn't trying to, but hey ho. A poem, a poem, a poem. <laughs> so, I would just first like to start off by saying that this is not the first time Miss Trina showed her ass. For those of us who, who used to watch Love and Hip Hop before we matured, she condoned a white Latina saying nigger because she grew up in Miami. Apparently that was a good enough reason for her to say nigger because she grew up in Miami. Is that Veronica Vega? Yes, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Veronica Vega. So I want to start off by saying that. And I also want to start off by saying, well, actually, it's my second point. Trina has tried to claim Afro-Latina and her own family have denounced that being inaccurate. So Trina has had and has shown a history of not only being a dummy, but also that she clearly has some realms of anti-blackness within within her soul. So I just want to start off by saying that. So check that, receipts. Secondly, well thirdly, so I listened to all four minutes of that of that radio show with her and Trick Daddy, which I, my first thought was I can't believe they actually have a radio show, but okay, you know, <laughs> shout out to them, you know, so everyone, need, everyone needs work. Um, <laughs> the thing that irritated me was that she said she wasn't afraid of being stopped by police because she has a license and registration. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Sorry, can we repeat? What was that? One of the many stupid things that she said was, is that she said that I'm not afraid of being stopped by police because I always have my license and registration. <laughs> Trina, Trina. And then she, Trina. she said... Hold on, hold on. Wait, stop it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is she done? <laughs> like, I mean, the, the screw go loose. Like, Trina, I know you've got good bars. I know you've got good pen. I know. And I know you write your own lyrics. But, tr but Trina, Trina, Katrina. Katrina. Katrina Laverne Taylor. Katrina. What is wrong with you? And then she's like... What is wrong with you? She tries to bring in the black-on-black -black argument into this and spoke about... Oh, I'm tired. Please. Like... Please. Like, my, my cousin was killed by another black man. There was no riots for that. I was like, you, I... <laughs> and then 
the, her initial statement. She's like, don't come on page with me if y'all about y'all bullshit. I got time today. Y'all fucking ignorant. This isn't about me. I've done my part. What are you doing? That's what they're doing. They're protesting and rising. That's what they're doing. <laughs> That's what they're doing. That's their part. Oh. Uprising. Tearing shit down. <laughs> in a community that does not serve them. <laughs> um, Eden McKenzie. Thoughts? Yeah, I think Shoppe said everything, really. There's nothing else to really to say. The one thing I will say is she said she reacted emotionally. So I would recommend meditation. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, but that's a lie because her initial statement was um, was the same the same energy. This her initial statement was ignorant and rude as well. Her initial statement. What initial? When she statement? got dragged the first time. The one on the radio. No, so she, she she did like a series of tweets. After she, people was like, "Oh, I'm gonna cancel. I'm gonna cancel her." She was coming with the vim, like, "Nah, you can cancel me what you want. I don't care. I don't care about you niggas." Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then when the dragging became persistent, she, she decided to open up her notes app. And give us a paragraph mm. and give us a statement. To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, it is her friend's business. Like, yeah, um, I, I, I wouldn't go to. I'm never gonna go to anti-blackness because of my friend's business now. But um, I feel like I get it. Like, if someone's, yeah, if someone's worked their whole life, like I get it. And I, I'm for the, I'm for the position of if I was writing like in London, and I went past like. A head like a shop that I know is owned by a black person, or a food shop that's owned by a black. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna touch them. Like, do you know what I mean? But I guess some people are just they're just doing whatever they want to do. Do you know what I mean? But I wouldn't loot them. She's valid in saying that, and I appreciate that she's upset about her friend's business. Like, you know, that's obviously a personal, that's a personal no. issue. But you mm. need to look at the bigger picture. And I think people don't understand this. Protesting is meant to disrupt. Yeah. It is. Keyword, disrupt. So whether you are involved or not, you are uh, a factor in a larger in a larger community, a larger apparatus. Unfortunately, you're gonna be you're gonna get you're gonna get involved. With regards to this situation, um what I think we're trying to say is that everyone eventually was gonna be affected by this protest, whether violent or not. And like Chopin said, some people are too wedded to the idea of black capitalism and also like things being more important than the actual system we're actually in at the moment. So I think Trina's understanding of how protests work and the purpose of them are completely backwards. I mean, I understand she meant it in a derogatory, t- a derogatory way with calling people animals, but animals are usually used to describe people that are outside of humanity. And if humanity consists of um, white supremacy and um, ignores the fact that violence is the answer sometimes, then maybe people are animals because there is no way that black people are going to sit idly by and allow us to be slain and killed and then expect what you would call a human response, which is a silent protest. That That isn't equal footing. We can't always be expected to be the bigger person. So with that, I say Trina isn't a leader. Trina isn't someone that people should follow. Them having a radio show isn't something I even knew about and will never, I will probably forget when this is over. Um, So I wish them the best. I don't really. I'm just saying that because I have to say it. Um, And black people continue to making yourself, 
continue to make yourself heard, continue to be in the street, continue to do things that affect our community and protect the people that are at most risk, which is us. Like go in the streets and and fight for our lives. Sitting there idly and doing peaceful protests for violence isn't always the answer. A hundred percent, I agree. And Trina, you need to do more research. You need to understand how what you said is rooted in anti-blackness. You need to understand how emotions, although sometimes we can say things we regret in the moment and we can apologize for them at the same time, you need to understand and take responsibility for how damaging your words can be. And yeah, I, I don't even know what else to say, but I think Nick has something to say. Um, I was just going to say, I think this just proves like the comments that TI's made by calling um, Atlanta Wakanda um, recently with Trina, obviously in these comments and other celebrities, Little Wayne, like I'm um, just showing his ass again. Like, I think that it's um, just a testament that one celebrity culture needs to burn um, and we need to stop looking, well, I've already done it, but we need to stop looking at celebrities as idols and thought leaders and um, activists and all of that kind of stuff because it's just not going to happen on a mass scale. It's just not like that. And we need to just delete the myth that celebrities equal smarts, level of smarts and level of awareness because it doesn't. Hollywood is an echo chamber in itself. People are disassociated from everyday life, not excusing what their thoughts are. But I'm, I'm just saying that I don't look to celebrities for much um, in this era. Obviously, I hate the distribution of wealth. I'm, I'm We've had that discussion on this podcast before with Jay-Z and stuff. But the distribution of wealth, um, I'm not agreeing with. And yeah, I do feel like celebrities need to put their money where their mouth is. But like Kanye West has in the latest iteration of Black Lives Matter, just put your money where your mouth is. Shut up. Don't want to see you. Don't want to hear you. Just donate. That's it. That's all I expect. That's all I want. Shut up. Stop talking. Don't give a statement. Don't post a square just give me the money or give them the money, the people who really need it, you know? And that's it. But I do think that people obviously are just showing that they're either for or against um, protests. And it's just, you know, not everyone, skin folk, hate kin folk, um, love that statement and abide by it to the death of me. Um, skin folk ain't kin folk. Obviously, I'm for black liberation everywhere. And that means all people. But in terms of who's fighting for that, some people can get, get left behind on the platform because I'm very firmly on that train. Some people aren't on that train. And with stupid comments like this, I don't have time to pacify you. Stay in your corner. Just throw the money onto the train and let us deal with the shit that we need to deal with. Anyway, let's move on because that topic was just irritating me. In terms of the last topic, which is really going to be a quick one, um, it's something that came onto the junket um, last minute, but it's to do with the music industry again. We've been very industry focused today. Um, so Republic Records has removed urban as a term, as a descriptor on at the label from a multifaceted level. So... If you didn't know, Republic Records houses the likes of Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, What's His Name, Post Malone, yeah, and loads of other artists as well. Um, it's a major label um, imprint. And on Friday, they decided to ban the use of urban as a generalisation for hip-hop and R&B. Their statement that they posted to both Instagram and Twitter and Facebook reads, effective immediately, Republic Records will remove urban from our verbiage, verbiage sorry, in describing departments, employee titles and music genres. We encourage the rest of the music industry to follow suit as it is important to shape the future of what we want it to look like. 
and not adhere to outdated structures of the past. So this came from Republic Records Action Committee. We use our voices and then it says use yours as the slogan. This comes in the face of obviously the music industry being pressured by George Floyd. This is the whole context of the week, the George Floyd um, and others like Breonna Taylor's um, brutal murders. And George Floyd actually was a former rapper and he rapped as a part of Houston's influential hip-hop scene, Rage Nationwide. So there was rage um, about his death. And yeah, he, he was a former artist. He was a former figure, public figure. So it's really interesting to see this kind of development as well. Republic's partner company Universal pledged $25 million to a new dedicated change fund, along with a task force whose sole focus will include distributing grants to organisations focused on black lives um, and equality. Um, Warner has promised $100 million to support charitable causes related to the music industry, social justice and campaigns against violence and racism. And yeah, there's just a lot of disturbance in the music industry right now and rushing for solutions. I wanted to get you guys' perspective on this particular move as it pertains to urban and your thoughts because we have discussed the term urban before, I think, in season two. So, yeah, got a lot of thoughts. Um, I would say that, first of all, this has been outdated for a while. I've spoken about terms such as, like, the culture. Urban was one that um, kind of predated that. Um, and just these synonyms for what really means black people, but people being afraid to really unapologetically bask in the word black um, and black origin genres, which pretty much is a, every genre. But let's talk about R&B and hip hop. You know what I mean when I'm talking about that in the context of music today, R&B and hip hop. This term urban has been damaging from a top down level. Um, when we talk about the Grammys and urban contemporary, that is used to kind of um, mitigate black talent and black excellence, um, just black music excellence, not the short, the P. Diddy kind of whatever he tries to use black excellence for, but in terms of black musical excellence from the year before and throws them into a genre which really doesn't allow them to be pitted in the real genre well not the real genres the bigger genres such as album of the year song of the year etc um record of the year i just think that yeah from that level down to on a micro level every single day in labels which um people have spoken out about since this urban news came to light in terms of budgets not being given to quote-unquote urban talent from uh, conflations with R&B and hip-hop under the umbrella urban what do you really mean are we talking hip-hop are we talking R&B what are we talking about from specific urban budgets which are like markably smaller than your pop budget or your rock budget or your country budget from how you treat artists under those labels as well on a daily level disposable not profitable temporary for the season hot for a minute gone the next I believe Urban has been truly damaging um, on a publication level as well when describing music. Get with the programme and talk about what you're saying and mean what you say. Instead of saying Urban, that means 
absolutely nothing to no one when you really ask the question, what are you talking about? So it's been damaging. It has been truly damaging for black people and has put us in a box and has made our talent seem less than. Republic Records acknowledging that and kind of alluding to the fact that it was a racist kind of terminology and one littered in problematic tendencies. That's the first step to kind of moving the needle. However, however, we still have an industry which is wide, huge, beyond Republic Records, even under other universal imprints. Is the term urban still being used? I think so, until a statement has been released, because Republic's second paragraph in their Instagram statement particularly mentions the call to action, the call to arms for other music industry bodies to eradicate urban more laterally. So for me, it's great in terms of micro level, but we really need to use this as the example to eradicate the term urban everywhere. We see it in music, including the Grammys. You know how I feel about awards, but I would still love to see those categories omitted because they do more harm than good. Um, I'd also say that beyond the term urban, you need to allocate the same amount of budgeting to the most popular genre in the world, or in at least the Americas, which we've spoken about on this podcast before, which is hip hop. You need to stop treating the employees and artists under those genres as though they're less than. You need to give them the money, you need to give them the respect, and you need to give them the visibility and prioritisation in your year calendar of releases and scheduling and marketing. So removing urban is one thing, but how you treat black people and black genres they decide to create is another thing. Because even if you do have a a black artist in a pop arena, I'm thinking of a Brie Runway, I'm thinking of a potential Normani when she decides what her sound is. Um, How are you going to treat these artists that operate in other genres beyond just the the umbrellas of hip hop and um, R&B and rap? So there's a lot that needs to happen. But the acknowledgement of Urban just confirms something that a lot of us, all of us included, have spoken about what journalists have called out, what artists have called out and what managers have called out in music. So I think it's interesting and I'm just waiting to see how the industry responds to this. Those are my thoughts. I think you really encapsulated and explained everything um, that needed to be said on that topic. And I do hope that a few things changes, especially around the word urban. Um, I've had a massive issue with that for a while because when I think of, usually when I, I'm quite a visual person, so when I hear words, I picture things. When I hear the word urban, I don't have a solid definition for it. So I can't really, I don't really know what to actually attribute that to. I know it's supposed to be black people, but what type of black people, what what does it actually mean? And I, I think clear definitions are much better um, for understanding quite a few things to do with like class and division and all of those types of things. So yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. I think that's it for the episode, but I just- That's it, that's it for the news. Yeah, so that's everything from the news. Um, I just wanted to say thank you again for everyone who continues to listen to us and has been supporting us for, even if it's not from the, the beginning, at least you've been here for a while. Um, I just want to say it hasn't been easy 
recording every single week well for 14 weeks straight for over two years but seeing something like um being featured in the apple podcast list and kind of the response we seem to get from quite a few people nowadays has been really inspiring and keeps us going so any love you want to send um you can send it to us at dats pod so d-a-t-s-p-o-d that's at instagram twitter it's our email address that's pod at gmail.com you can find us on vero um, and all streaming platforms completely. And it is hosted by myself, Eats McKenzie, IMN Tyrell, Shope Showerton. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the DATS team as well, people we work with, um, because they've done amazing. They've helped us along the way. So shout out to Aaron, Prod by Z, shout out to Tony, Tony Supreme, Mike, so man like Mike. Shout out to Ryan at Black Box Studio for always supporting us and giving us spaces when we've had nowhere else to record. Who else am I missing, guys? Um, James Z Worldwide, who produced the theme tune. Oluzaye, and yeah. I just want to say thank you very much to all of you and we'll continue the journey. But that has been us for this episode and enjoy the rest of your days. Please take some time away from social media if you can. Be safe when protesting and remember Black Lives Matter today and always. And that's all. Peace. Peace.